Welcome to a Life Worth Living podcast uh, with Dr. Foyer. This podcast is sponsored by Lifesavers Emergency Room. Uh, this is a podcast where physicians speak with other physicians, and we really just talk about the field of medicine and what um, individual doctors and practices are doing to impact the life of our community, patients, and um, um, I guess society around us. So today, our esteemed guest is Dr. Sharita Warfield. Dr. Warfield and I worked together briefly in the emergency room at St. Luke's. Um, hospital in Sugarland, Texas, for um, a few years uh, before we kind of branched our separate ways. But I just have to say, Dr. Warfield is a physician I admire very much. Um, if you ever meet her, she just has this air of just, well, everything's okay. Everything will be all right. I mean, you just can't on <laughs> her because she's not nervous. She's very much a master of what she does. And you can tell just talking to her that she knows exactly what she's doing and you're going to be safe in her hands. Um, and I'm, I know I've said it to you, but like, I admire you so much. Anytime you would, we would change shifts or you would, you know, sign out to you. I would just be like, wow, one day. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely one of those attendings that's just very, has a lot of peace and calm around you. And it shows to your patients, I'm sure, and to people around you, your colleagues. Um, so thank you for honoring me with this um, accepting to be here. And um, I know things have changed in your career. And that's really what I wanted to talk about is lifestyle mm -hmm. medicine and how how did you transition to that? Um, but I really, what, I want everybody to know about your field. What did you train in and how did you kind of transition into where you're at now? Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you very much for those kind words. I am glad that I could positively impact you. And I'm so honored to be a guest on your show. And I'm super proud of you and all that you have achieved since we first met. So kudos to you, too. Um, I got into emergency medicine. So, you know, I've always wanted to be a physician ever since the fifth grade. Right. I had a love for science fascination with the human body and just made it my mission to strive to get accepted to medical school successfully complete and then go into the field of emergency medicine. So I attended uh, med school at Wayne State University. Um, I did my emergency medicine training at Howard in Washington, D.C. Then I came back to Wayne State and I did a fellowship in medical toxicology uh, before branching out and then working as an emergency uh, attending emergency physician for about 25 years. I did that. I love it. I enjoy it. I, I still enjoy it, but I ended up retiring from that in uh, around 2017 to um, help my husband build up his pain management practice because he's a physician as well. So while working with him at his practice, I've always had a interest in healthy living and you know the, the art of eating well, exercising, and doing it to positively impact your health. So I decided to start doing some health and wellness through his clinic um, and offered like health and wellness counseling, weight loss. I got into aesthetics and did a little Botox and filler training uh, and that kind of thing. Um, during uh, the pandemic, I also became interested in lifestyle medicine. I found that there was an entity that would allow you to become certified as a lifestyle medicine physician. So I then embarked upon that. That's through the... Um, American Lifestyle Board of Medicine. Um, life, I'm sorry, the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine um, is the entity. Um, and so I did that because I really, it really resonated with me, um, their mission and the purpose behind actually practicing lifestyle medicine. 
So that's how I got here um, in, in lifestyle medicine. And then from there, I transitioned from his clinic into opening up my own um, medical spa, health and wellness spa that kind of marries lifestyle medicine with beauty and aesthetics. And so that's where I am today. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about lifestyle, uh, lifestyle medicine. What exactly is that? Is that a, a new um, area of medicine or is it something that's becoming more um, focused on or talked about or getting more attraction? Uh, so a combination of both. It kind of resonated or, or came about in the mid 80s. Um, and lifestyle medicine is essentially the specialty of medicine that looks at the root cause of many illnesses, and they use evidence-based lifestyle interventions or changes to positively affect chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. So in other words, there are like six pillars of health, so to speak, with lifestyle medicine that we look at and address. And is when you make changes to those six pillars uh, that it uh, thus improves your health overall. Okay. As opposed to, say, westernized medicine, which is where many of us were trained and what most of us practice here in the U.S., uh, we basically just write a prescription or give a pill to treat the symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to looking at the root cause of what got me here. Why do I have diabetes and why do I need a pill or why do I need insulin? Why do I have heart disease? You know, why am I at increased risk for cancers and you know, strokes and this kind of thing. Well, lifestyle medicine makes those changes or allows us, teaches us how to make those changes to positively in, impact those disease states that we may have, that we can reverse or that we can prevent from ever obtaining. Okay, nice, nice. This is amazing. I think that we, even as physicians, we get so used to, okay, your blood pressure's up. I'm gonna give you this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or you're having a heart attack, we're going to put a stent in, you know, follow up. And, you know, so we get used and we're trained to just focus on the actual problem and how Correct. to fix the immediate problem. But we don't get a lot of training and um, prevention, I would say. Correct. Correct. So the pillars are nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, risky substances, avoiding risky. And that, and that would be like drugs or. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. And then um, positive social connections. So when you, when you see patients, do you go into all of all six of these with each patient or are there certain areas that you'll like for this patient, their major issue is nutrition or do patients get a whole holistic like approach to their care? In general, they should get a holistic, a whole approach to all six pillars. Because when we when we have all six of those clicking, right, all cylinders clicking, then you have an overall more healthier state of being. But it then depends on what those patients or clients come to you for, right? right. So a lot of them, a lot of us in America are overweight or obese. It is now a full-on epidemic. We thought that COVID was an epidemic, but obesity is a worldwide epidemic. And yeah. if we stay on the trajectory that we are on, it's only gonna to continue to get worse. Right. So that's where lifestyle medicine, counseling, coaching, if you will, um, can kind of help in that respect because it brings light to, well, how did I get here? And then what can I do to prevent, improve, or change you know, the trajectory of my life and improve my quality of life? Um, so it just depends on the individual and what they're coming in for, but most assuredly, we all need nutrition counseling. We probably need physical activity counseling um, because for a lot of us, it's the foods that we eat 
or don't eat. And it's the inactivity that we do or don't do. Many of us don't exercise. We don't move. We know that movement is medicine, but that doesn't happen, right? Busy schedules, uh, fatigue, just whatever the reason, it doesn't happen. And so, you know, sleep health, um, social connectedness, all of those, those are very important too. A lot of us are so busy, we're not sleeping enough. It's recommended that you get seven to nine hours of sleep. We are very well falling short of that, right? Most people don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. And then even with the um, social connectedness, now COVID put a big wrench in our uh, social connectedness. And it's not necessarily by way digitally, like our, how we're speaking now, but actually in person, you know, interactions with people off the phone, away from technology, just talking face to face. There's so much to be gained from that, and that, that that's kind of like a lost art in, in lieu of our digitalized world now. Um, and then risky, risky substances, um, you know, we have to understand what certain things do to our body and at what levels they become toxic and how to avoid that, you know, um, and even stress management. Of I'm sorry. I think we all know, obviously, cocaine is a bad thing, right? But what, yeah. what do you mean by risky substances? Could that well, be caffeine or what, like? Absolutely. Absolutely. So anything in moderation is okay, right? But however, certain things are more detrimental than others. So cigarette smoking, you know, we, we've had, you and I both have had patients in the ER who come in smoking a pack, pack and a half a day, right? And we try and advise them otherwise that smoking has untoward effects on your vessels you know, it can lead to certain chronic diseases, even cancer. And some of them will say, well, I don't care. You got to die from something. Well, it's all about educating the individuals to know the detriments of the things that you choose to do. Drinking alcohol in moderation. Yeah. For some people, it might be okay. In excess, it is detrimental to all. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but again, unless we are educated and we know the negative adverse effects of certain things, you might still think as an adult, oh, it's okay. I can smoke or I can drink. I don't drink that much. You know, it's whatever you tell yourself, right? But in essence, on the inside, you are causing internal damage. Mm -hmm. Even food, eating food. If you overeat or you eat the wrong foods in excess, they are detrimental to your health. Sugar toxicity is a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. We are all sugar toxic in, mm -hmm. in one way, shape, or form. And that's secondary to the processed foods, the kind of microwave society is what I call it. We want to hurry up, hurry up, have something quick. You know, you don't take the time to eat and prepare home cooked meals, you know, yeah. the whole gamut. I could go on and on and on, but it is these things that end up being um, risky and, and end up being toxic or detrimental to us in some respects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, well, I think that the more our society and physicians like you are speaking out about these things, the more support we'll have for it, you know. Correct. You need, you need your insurance companies to care about, you know, lifestyle medicine. Well, how does how does how does the government really support lifestyle medicine as a practice or insurance companies? What what has been your experience with even getting stuff covered for patients? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, as we know, our our healthcare system in the state of healthcare in America is is a little flawed. Um, it's an uphill battle because lifestyle medicine is still relatively new. We have to get those powers that be to buy in, right, to agree and see that prevention is, is better uh, on the individual and better on the pocketbook long term. 
but they have to buy in, understand it, and see that and be willing to implement the change and, you know, pay for these kind of services. A lot of physicians have to either do concierge kind of medicine or cash pay um, because until the insurance companies get on board with it, you know, you're not being compensated for your efforts. Um, a lot of it may be done in a roundabout way, community service or at community centers or, you know, you might have pamphlets in your, in your office to just kind of educate. But are you really getting compensated for that? A lot of physicians may just supplement, you know, and do it just off the cuff just because out of the kindness, they have a genuine concern for improving the health of their patients. Right, right. But I'm sure it must be very rewarding. Can you share some success stories of uh, your clients or patients? You're right. It is very, very rewarding. Um, I've had several clients who have literally improved their life. They have gotten off medicine. I have one client, a male in particular, and we know how difficult it is to get males to buy into um, their health. But this particular gentleman came in. He was um, fatigued, tired, overweight, um, he's a business executive. He did a lot of lunch meetings, a lot of dinner meetings, so ate out at restaurants a lot. Um, yeah. Came in, I took his blood work, and you know his numbers were kind of like off the hook. He was a diabetic, and he didn't know he was a diabetic. He was yeah. overweight. You know his cholesterol numbers were eking towards you know high cholesterol, and it was just a shock to him. Right? He was like, "Oh, I had no idea." So after we, you know, talked and I put him on a lifestyle medicine program, basically changing his eating habits, instituting more exercise, you know, proper sleep, stress management, all of those pillars. Um, once he and he locked in, I mean, really locked in where I would have him. He'd send me pictures. This is what I'm eating today. He'd send me his, you know, analytics from his workout for that day. Or I got this many steps. Or I did this in the gym. You know, so it was really good and gratifying when he finally, in essence, ended up reversing or lowering his A1C, right? So then he didn't need to go on insulin or metformin or pills for it because he did it naturally yeah. using food, movement, and lifestyle changes. Do you think it's like an eye-opener for patients when they see some of these things on paper? When you, when you show them, this is this is your life right now and this is the trajectory you're going if we don't, you know, yes. take up right now. So do, do you exactly. think motivate people because we all know we're overweight like you don't have to tell me you or you know <laughs> tell people, like, Correct. about seeing it what is it about what do you do that makes them kind of say okay doc today I'm I'm gonna do what you're saying um I'm gonna yeah. change life. yeah I mean because it is like you said it's on paper so we take your blood work and these are your values this is what's going on inside of your body yeah, we can look in the mirror and we say, oh, okay, this suit doesn't fit the way it used to. Or, yeah, I'm a little bit overweight. But you don't know your internal values, right? Um, in my office, we also do a in-body uh, body analysis. So we look at the distribution of fat. We look at the visceral fat level, muscle distribution, you know, total body water, all of that. Um, because that denotes, again, a better, healthier body, your BMI, basal metabolic rate, all of those things. So, yes, when clients or patients see their numbers, especially if they're elevated because you could walk around and not really feel bad for yeah. a long time, right? Your blood pressure is high. You don't know it. You know, um, your cholesterol is high. Unless you get blood work, you don't really know it. Right. Feel bad. But right. You don't feel bad, but all along it's causing internal damage to your body, ultimately to your blood vessels and to your organs. Yeah. And so then that's when, you know, to me, unfortunately people wait until something happens. They wait until, they have the stroke or they wait until they come in and diabetic ketoacidosis, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, 
and they wait until that negative health effect happens before they decide to make change. Whereas I say, let's prevent it before it happens. Um, I know a lot of people have find it challenging to make um, like significant lifestyle changes. What kind of advice do you give them or practical advice are you able to offer to individuals so they can sustain these changes? You know, I usually start people off by asking them their, to identify their why. You know, why are you here? Why do you want to get healthy? Why do you want to lose weight? Um, a lot of people say, oh, well, I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to be better in my clothes. I, you know, want to lose 10 pounds for homecoming or whatever, right? Um, I usually say attach an emotional attachment to it. Most of us are either mothers, sisters, brothers, grandfathers, grand. We have some family member or somebody in your life who loves and cares for you, right? You want to be here for them. Like you. Absolutely. You would want to be here for them and be healthy and in your best quality of life. So let that be your why. Let that be your motivator. Once you've identified that, then you have to lock into and be intentional about making those changes. And I would just say start small. It's it's a long list. And especially if you're not used to living that way, um, mm. it becomes a lifestyle change. And like they said, do it. Do it. Start small. Do it consistently for 21 days. It takes 21 days to become a habit, right? So if you say, I'm going to cut out um, you know, alcohol for 30 days. And you cut it out and be intentional with it. Or if you say, I'm going to devote to walking 10,000 steps or 12,000 steps a day and come what may, make sure you do it, right? I know we're busy. We have schedules that we have to finagle. We have kids. We have other obligations, two and three jobs, what have you, right? But you have to take time and be selfish in saying, I'm going to take this time for me to positively impact my health so that I can be around for others as well as improve my quality of life. It's difficult, it's not easy. I mean, even for myself, I usually, I, I road bike, so I ride my bike. And I usually try and do that about four times a week. But sometimes it's challenging, you know? So I get up in the morning a little early and get out there and try and get it done or do longer stints on the weekend. You know, you just have to work it into your schedule and work what works best for you. And, you know, it may not always be a gym membership. It may not always be, um, working out with a trainer, it might be putting on a YouTube video in your living room and dancing or doing wall Pilates or doing a routine. It's so Nowadays, there's so many options out there that people can do, right, for movement. You know, if you say, well, I'm not going to eat out, I'm going to carry my lunch to work. That's another way to do it. Prepare meal prep, prepare your food at home, keep it with you, so you resist the urge. I used to call it breakthrough, break room sabotage, you know. In our ER, in the break room, that's where all the pizzas and the donuts and the kolaches. <laughs> Straight sabotage, right? But if you say, okay, I'm going to pack my food and bring it with me, then you can resist the temptation because you might be hungry, starving. And when that's the only thing left, you're going to eat it. But you have to ask yourself, is this helping me or helping me or hurting me reach my health goals? Yeah. And yeah. we're all, always trying to figure out, well, what is this one food I could maybe focus on? Are there any dietary patterns or superfoods or, you know, your go-tos that you find that a lot of people are successful with? So in lifestyle medicine, we usually try and um, promote a predominantly plant-based uh, food, whole food kind okay. of diet. And it's not a diet, it becomes a lifestyle. So when you start eating like this on the regular, it's not, oh, I'm just trying to lose this weight. This is for life, this is for health. So if you eat you know, whole fruits, whole fruits and vegetables, fruits with the skin on, a variety of rainbow colors, 
Um, same thing with vegetables, getting your greens. You know, there is a, a plate method that we usually uh, tell our clients and patients about. You know, your plate is in a circle. You cut it in half and you cut it again in fourths. Half of your plate should be filled with majority vegetables, a little bit of fruit, a little healthy uh, portion of protein, and then a whole grain, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can focus on doing that and, you know, lowering your, decreasing your portions, um, mm -hmm. drinking your water, cutting out added sugars, it's so beneficial um, that a lot of us don't realize because we don't either read food labels or look into what added sugars are in a particular um, food or package, right? But reading food labels is very informative and very key um, to allow you to choose the right kind of foods and know what you're putting into your body. Because, um, you know, because like they say, we are what we eat. And again, a lot of our detriment or our sugar toxicity comes from these processed foods. Mm -hmm. um, and they are processed using sugar as a taste additive and as a preservative. Right, right, right. So I know um, for you, you how do you incorporate physical activity into your daily routine? Um, I, I did one thing I was trying to do was like not look for the closest parking spot. I would just- Correct. At the end, but- mm -hmm. it, and then, and then I'd get lazy and be like, I'm not parking there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, we park over there. Right, right. In, you know. But are you able to, do you recommend to them or, or just tell them to, you know, just look at your life and see how to make it a little less inconvenient <laughs> for yourself? Right, right. You know, we, we, we pick something, we pick a task. It's, it's harder to stay on task. But if you go back to your why and you say, okay, I'm doing this for them, then you'll be more apt to not give in to the laziness, right? And go ahead and park further, mm -hmm. right? You can, if you're working in the building as opposed to at home, if you're in the building, take the steps instead of the elevator, right? Um, if, if you're working from home, we need to resist the urge for prolonged sitting because a lot of people working from home end up sitting at the computer in front of screens for long extended periods of time. We need to break that up. You should be getting up every hour, moving a little, you know, you can move in place, you can walk, go to the refrigerator, walk around the house, whatever it is, you need to break up that and start moving as opposed to sitting because prolonged sitting has been associated with um, negative health effects as well. And again, it doesn't take fancy gym memberships. You can just walk your neighborhood. If you have a bike, get on it and ride it. If you roller skate, roller skate. If you like to dance, just dance, put on a, your favorite song housekeeping, clean, hot work, chores on the weekend, all of that can become movement that equates to exercise. You basically just need to get your heart rate up, right? Um, we usually recommend getting anywhere from 150 to 300 minutes of moderate to vigorous exercise per week. What do you so, do with patients who come to you and they've got, you know, really bad arthritis or obviously, you know, maybe they're obese and... Mm -hmm joints are not what they used to be, where do they start as far as trying to get active in the midst of their pain or discomfort? Right, so it depends on the severity, of course, but if they're able to walk into me, then they're able to walk around the track, right? That's or they're able to walk their neighborhood, right? So if you can still walk, you can start off by walking. You don't have to, again, you don't need anything long, outdrawn or intensive, just walk, move mm -hmm. your body. Because a lot of times that movement will help that arthritis and it will help those aching stiff joints, right? Yeah. Um, so I usually advise just starting small. Let's walk, walk, 
you know, until you get tired, then walk a little more the next time, then walk a little more the next time. Then when you get to the point that you're comfortable walking, then let's do walk, run, walk, run. So walk a little bit, then run as fast as you can until you get tired, then stop, then walk, catch your breath, then run again, and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's different ways to go about it. Now, if they have real, you know, joint problems and they can't really move or refuse to move, you know, you can, again, be at home and you can get some canned goods and sit at your kitchen table or in your lazy boy chair, what have you, and pump some iron, you know, do some arm, upper body exercise, anything to work and move the body and help build muscle, right? We'll help you. Yeah, I used to tell patients, well, do you get to a pool? Are you able to just walk yep. in the pool? Then that's, you know, a little bit less stress on your joints. I also think exactly. it's a thing. You have to, you have to kind of want it, you know. That's that it, period. It's really what'll make you, walk in in a little bit of discomfort or walk till you get tired or run you know so that correct everything pushes people past their comfort limits or else you just stay where you're at you know right exactly i agree and you know that is that's good advice but again you have to tap in and be intentional with it in the pillars you had mentioned stress um and stress management um how Mm -hmm. are you patients with their stress management so stress management is a big one right we all need it (laughs) Um, it depends on, I guess, the situation that has one stress, if it's uh, at all possible to remove yourself from that stressor or remove the toxicity from your life, then I would suggest doing that. I often tell people that we, a lot of times, bring it, especially as career-driven women, right? We bring a lot of it on ourselves because we just allow so much to be piled on our plates. Okay. So I tell people to exercise and practice. No is a complete sentence, Right. Practice the art of saying no and sticking to it. No explanation, no justification. Hey, I need you to do, can you do? No, I can't right now. It just doesn't work for my mental. Whatever the case, right? But no is a complete sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Because, right, you will find that if you say no, then you don't have as much on your plate and that's helping you out. Other Mm -hmm. other means of um, stress management could be meditation, right? Um, listening to music, spending time in nature. It depends on the individual and what actually drives them or what brings them peace or solace because everybody is different. Reading a book, you know, know, going to your closet, closing the door, leaving the kids on the other side and just being quiet for some people might be a good stress management, right? Yeah. A lot of people turn to prayer. Prayers, if you're spiritual, prayer is good as well. You know, Um, yoga, you know, so it just depends, again, on what excites the individual and what gives them that sense of peace um, and resolution. If only for a moment, take that time and say, okay, this is my meditation moment or this is my time for stress management. You know, um, it's so many different ways, again, that, that people can do. It just depends. You just have to tap into what works for you individually. Right. For me, with having kids, I think what's helped me a lot is getting my kids to bed on time. So I yes. can have time to like. Yeah, decompress. <laughs> I can decompress, I can think, I can, you know. So that was my major thing to be like, gosh, there's just not enough hours in the day. I'm like, well, actually there are. I just mm-hmm. spending them correctly. If I can just get these kids. So before our bedtime was like 8.30, which would mm-hmm. really be fine. And then I was like, you know what? Y'all, y'all need to go to bed. I'm sorry. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can think and plan and 
you know, meditate, all the things you're saying. I'm like, when do you do those? When right. you, like they have to not be here for all that. Correct. So Correct. Yeah. moms and people with young children. And even mm -hmm. when you get older, you end up being, you're still there. You're a call away. Your flight oh, have mercy. And yes. <laughs> got older children. And you know, they don't you don't stop being a mom because they graduate. They're still they're not still at all. Call you at any moment they can in clinic. Any moment. <laughs> and get mad when you don't answer right away. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Working. <laughs> I know. Life living, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So it is important to figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And then just implement it, you know. Yeah, people always say, oh, I talk, I do, I do. Well, stop talking about it, be about it, right? Because that's the only way you empower change. Otherwise, you're constantly spinning your wheels and unhappy and unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. Wow. I need, I need you. We all need a lifestyle <laughs> in our lives. I just, you know, it's just, it really kind of hurts to see that the a lot of the specialties that have so much of an impact on the lives of people are not given as much, you know, light or attention as they should, because it would prevent so many other right. things. You wouldn't need, there'd probably, there would be less cancers. There would be less oh, yeah. being done. There would be less, you know, the hospitals would be less full if we were correct. But secretly, I think that they're, you know, the procedures and things that are more revenue generating. Absolutely. Because they are revenue generating. They, they Absolutely. We all know, underlying that that is the driving force. It's all monetary, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. But again, that's where I implore people to take your health into your own hands. Mm -hmm. Don't leave it up to the doctor that you have to go see because you've developed XYZ. Prevent it from happening. We can mm -hmm. prevent a lot of that, you know, because you're right. You know, the procedures are um, money generating and very lucrative. And that's what keeps the healthcare system thriving. But it is um, at our detriment in mm -hmm. some respects, you know, how many people have to suffer from uh, chronic um, complications of diabetes, amputations and blindness and kidney, you know, failure, right, mm -hmm. on dialysis and I mean, just, just the whole gamut. It's, yes, that's money generating, but that's um, a decreased quality of life for people. And nobody wants that. Um, their families, you end up being, imagine, you know, then you become a, a perpetual caretaker of your family. Correct. You're not Correct. So exactly. I had um, a personal experience with that with my mom. Um, she's the type two, was a type two diabetic that um, thought she was eating right, thought she was doing what she needed to do wasn't half taking her medicine. She still smoked, all of those things. And this is while I was in residency. So I wasn't there on a daily basis to keep badgering her like I used to growing up. But um, ultimately she, um, with diabetes, ended up with diabetic retinopathy. Um, mm. She lost her eyesight at age 57. Um, mm. And then she subsequently went downhill from there, lost one of her legs, lost the use of her kidneys and was on dialysis. And lost mm. her other leg, right? So she was a double amputee, um, mm. blind, and on dialysis as a result of poorly controlled diabetes, right? And, you know, yeah. I mean, but, you know, it's, that was my motivation to, I guess, try and positively impact the world by letting people know you can avoid a lot of this. You can prevent. All you have to do is buy into taking care of you. Yeah. Uh, when we know better, we do better, right? When you know, yeah. And I think what, you know, the thing about diabetes and even 
sometimes a lot of these diseases that you you're you're dealing with just like your organs right mm -hmm. and if you start eating health I mean not to be a Debbie Downer but you only have so much insulin in your pancreas right. your, right. your organs only do so much so if you dan we if we damage them to the right. point return then yes we are stuck at the dialysis phase but so the goal is to not even get there because Correct. pancreas can only do so much it's and that's why the hemoglobin a1c is rising and it's telling you mm -hmm. hey, there's all this sugar still left over because my your insulin and my pancreas is only able to suck this so much of it up right so much of it you know and mm -hmm. i think that when you see patients that are in the severe stages of it and it's like, wow, if I, if I'd met you a year ago or maybe two years ago, we could have exactly did some of these things. So that's why it's really important to see doctors like Dr. Warfield and start taking your health into your own hands. Because again, your heart is just, we're, we're, we're actually fairly expendable. We're not able to, you know, Correct. there's only so much muscle, there's only so much tissue, there's only so much, there's so many cells, um, yep. get the technology to regenerate organs. <laughs> and that's Correct. Down the pipeline with Pfizer or somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> right, exactly. Anyway. No, you're absolutely right. It's just important and key that we, you know, change our lifestyles for uh, improved quality and longevity of life. Even on a personal level, I myself have instituted, um, you know, the lifestyle. So I practice what I preach. Yeah. <laughs> you've always uh, been fit. Like you've always been normal weight. Yeah, no, girl, I was overweight too. You know, we all get there. <laughs> okay. uh, but, okay. uh, you know, when they say for your height, you should be XYZ. However, um, mm -hmm. implementing, you know, a more plant-based diet, um, because two of my kids are vegan. Um, and so I end up cooking meals when they're at home. I end up cooking more vegan. Um, okay. Although my husband and I, we eat seafood. We don't eat red meat, uh, pork, uh, turkey, chicken. Um, but we will eat more plant-based and, and maybe some seafood. And okay. so doing that along with, you know, exercising, riding my bike, walking, um, and kind of watching portion control. Now, I am a type 2 diabetic myself. Um, and so I'm on the um, semaglutide or the Ozempic. And using that coupled with the lifestyle changes, I've lost about 25 pounds since mm, about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So people who see me now are like, oh my God, you look great. You look great. You know, it's because I've really instituted and started practicing what I preach. Right, um, right. So, so personally, I have benefited from this mantra of lifestyle uh, interventions and implementation. How do you feel like genetics plays a role in that? Because you said your mom was a... Yes, type 2 diabetic. And right. I think it plays a major role because most people would look at me and say, you don't look like a diabetic you know, whatever that means, right? But but that's because many of our type two diabetics are overweight and it is due to overweightness. And most times people who lose weight can positively decrease and affect their A1C, right? But in my case, I it's, it's strictly genetic um, because I even after losing the 25 pounds, my A1C is still, I think last time I had it checked, it was 6.4 which still makes me a diabetic, but I, I came from 7.3, okay. right? Um, I couldn't, I don't know what else I can do, right? <laughs> Short of not eating at all, to, you know, because it is my goal to try and get it less than, right? Because less than 5.4 is non-diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, however, I am still in the diabetic range. And again, I think it has a lot to do 
with the genetics. So yes, that does play a role in some of our um, chronic diseases. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But I still, I'm not on insulin. I do take medication to keep it in control. And I watch what I eat. If that's your plight, that's what you have to do. Right, right. Even patients, you know, I used to have a, a med spa and I, I would have patients come in for Botox and mm-hmm. um, fillers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it'd be massively overweight. And yeah. I would want to talk about that, you know. Like, but, why are you worried about? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, well, okay, well, I'll do what you're, I'll do what you're here for, but we could, you know, we could talk about this or, your, you know, they, I look in their history, they have severe migraines and but then mm-hmm. migraines, you're all, it's all related, the stress and all that, but we're here so let me give you your Botox, you know, so all of that. See, but that, that's where I diverted my practice a little different because I combined lifestyle right. with the health and wellness or the health aesthetics, the beauty aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And yes, some people, like you said, may come in just for that. But usually in my intake form, I ask certain questions. And I also do bioidentical hormone replacement, which um, goes a long way to improving one's health as we reach a certain age of um, hormone deficiency. But I have a checklist. And so I would have them fill out and answer certain questions. And if certain questions were answered, yes, then that would trigger me during my consultation to also say, well, hey, have you ever considered blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I use it as a gateway to, to your point, address other things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I've had clients who have come in for a facial aesthetics consultation. Well, I have these wrinkles or I have this line here that I don't like or my jaws or, you know, but then we end up talking about either hormone replacement or the weight loss program, you know, the lifestyle medicine, body contouring, you know, so many different things. Um, but I always bring them back to, well, what is your body looking like on the inside? You know, how is your health? Because yeah, we can look good on the outside, but we want to look good and feel good on the inside as well. Are there any resources or books that, uh, your, do you recommend patients to, uh, read or audio, um, things that you give patients? Um, I usually, so I wrote a book, (laughs) um, informing patients on diabetes, right? Um, it's called Get Informed, a guidebook for recently diagnosed diabetics and their loved ones. Okay. And um, in that book, I wrote it because, again, as you know, working in the ER, we got patients who come in, elevated blood sugars, either knew they had diabetes or didn't, but didn't have a way to go and which was what was the next step like we were talking about earlier. So I wrote the book to educate them on what diabetes is, um, how how we got it, how we go about changing and treating it and improving your longevity of life. Um, you can get it on Amazon. It was an Amazon bestseller. Um, and you can also get it when you come into my office. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we'll definitely put the link to the book when we post the podcast, uh, definitely. Um, and I think, yeah, you're, you're right. It's all, it's in the books. It's it's online. You, we do mm-hmm. all have to take some responsibility for our health and get out there and get this information. And if you're, if you're a physician, like Dr. Warfield is writing books, you should be reading it. Definitely. Right. <laughs> um, right. Can our listeners connect with you and learn more about um, your uh, facility, Serendipity Lifestyle Spa? So you can go to my website, serendipitylifestylespa.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Serendipity Lifestyle Spa, as well as Facebook at Serendipity lifestyle spa follow me come check me out if you're in the uh, houston or katie area you can come check me out in person serendipity lifestyle and wellness spa 
We're on Highland Knowles off of Mason, between Mason and 99. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Warfield. Definitely check her out, Serendipity. Thank you. Spa. Um, you know the location. You can find her online, um, and you'll see the podcast with all the details of how to reach her, how to get to her clinic and facility. Thank you so much, Dr. Warfield. I'm so grateful. Oh, yes. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. Hopefully, we can positively impact some people's lives. Um, in a positive way. So thank you all so much. Continue blessings. Keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Tired of waiting at the ER? Lifesavers 24-hour emergency room is your number one ER for pediatric and adult medical care. Staffed by board-certified physicians with absolutely no wait time. Lifesavers 24-hour emergency room is equipped to handle life-threatening conditions quickly. Your emergency or concern is our priority, and we're here when you need us. Now with three convenient Houston locations, open 24-7 to get you feeling better fast. Our Willowbrook area location is located at the intersection of Highway 249 and 1960. Our Heights area location is in the Garden Oaks Shopping Center at 3820 North Shepherd Drive. Our Summerwood area location is located off of Sam Houston Tollway at West Lake Houston Parkway. Lifesavers 24-hour emergency room is your ER for immediate care.